Today, the Commission has prohibited uh, the acquisition of Grail by Illumina. And that was the voice of EU Competition Commissioner Margrethe Vestager earlier this month, announcing the regulator's decision to block Illumina's US$8 billion US dollar acquisition of cancer testing company Grail. It was a decision that reverberated around the world, one that exposed fissures between the EU and the US regulatory landscape. And that's the topic of conversation for today's edition of MLEX's weekly podcast. I'm your host, James Paniki, a senior editor with our Asia-Pacific team. And regular listeners of this podcast know how significant this deal has been for the EU regulator. The very fact that it reviewed the deal at all was, at the time, newsworthy. Then came Vestia's decision to shut it down, despite contradictory developments in the US. Well, what does it all mean and where does it go from here? Natalie McNeilis covers M&A and antitrust from our offices in Brussels, and I'm delighted to say that she's with me right now. So, Nat, we last talked about this in July. So much has happened since then, so please, can you bring us up to date? Yes, okay. So the last time we talked, Illumina had just lost a major case in the European court. And yeah, so much more has happened since then. We've been joking around MLEX that this case is like a soap opera or a Netflix thriller or something because it has a cliffhanger (laughs) at the end of each episode. Okay, well, give us the elevator pitch for that Netflix thriller. What's it all about? (laughs) Yeah, so here's like a little trailer for what's what's coming next. Uh, So once uh, Illumina had lost the case in the EU court... That was what we talked about in our last podcast. The commission was all clear to do whatever it wanted with the deal, and the deadline was impending, and we pretty sure, okay, the next step is going to be that it will block the case. And we were just taking bets around the office on what day would the prohibition come down and what day would be the press conference. And then something really unexpected happened in the United States. And look, before we get to that, for those unfortunate enough to not have heard your previous podcast, let's maybe take a few steps back and remind us what this deal is all about. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. I should, I should lead in a little bit. So on the one side, you've got Illumina. And this is a big uh, life sciences company. It's based in California, and it's been so successful in gene sequencing that it's basically dominant for this next uh, generation sequencing, which they call NGS. And then on the other side, you have Grail. That's another California company. It's a small startup, and it's made a big discovery. It's a liquid biopsy, which is a blood test. And it can detect markers for 50 cancers with this gene sequencing technology that they get from Illumina. And not only can it detect the markers that you've got cancer, but it can also indicate what's the tissue of origin. That means like what kind of cancer you've got. So the thing is that it could only develop this sort of test on the back of Illumina's NGS technology. And in the U.S., the Federal Trade Commission, they sued to block the deal because they said, wait, once Illumina has Grail, it would have an incentive to block other companies who were trying to develop cancer tests using its NGS technology. They would say, you know, we've got a great thing, Grail. It's going to make millions, billions in the future, and we'd like for there not to be any competitors coming. So if we don't give them access to NGS, they won't be able to develop something as good as what we've got. So as you would expect, Illumina appealed uh, that decision of the FTC to block their transaction. And in the U.S., the way it works is that then there's a, a trial before an administrative law judge. It lasts for months. 
the judge hears, you know, it's like a real trial. They hear witnesses, they have cross-examination, they have experts, the whole nine yards. But, you know, like I said, it's the administrative law judge. It's like their own court, you know? And the reality is that the FTC basically always wins before the ALJ. It's like, it's kind of like an internal judge. So he usually sides with the FTC. And in fact, an ALJ hasn't gone against the FTC in what is like a full-fledged merger for 20 years. And this is where the plot thickens because <laughs> yeah. history is being written right here, right? Yeah, you see where I'm going with this, right? That was a good setup for the for the cliffhanger, right? Yeah. So on the at the beginning of September, the ALJ dismissed the FTC's case. He said the FTC hadn't proven its case that Illumina's acquisition of Grail would harm competition. This was the big shocker for those in the, of us in the antitrust world. Basically, he said um, the FTC hadn't proven that the deal would lead Illumina to cut all those other potential competitors off to the, their NGS because he didn't find convincing evidence that there were any other companies like anywhere near Grail. He said nobody's got anything in the pipeline that's anywhere near what Grail has. So why would Illumina have an incentive to refuse to sell its NGS to them? To say this this was unexpected would be an understatement. It really made us wonder, like, okay, now what? Well, before you tell us that, Natalie, just remind us why the European Commission cares about this. I mean, it could just totally ignore this outcome, right? Well, I think the, the problem is for the European Commission is that it, the EC and the FTC, on both sides of the Atlantic, they have the same theory of harm, that theory that I was telling you about, about foreclosing rivals' access to the gene sequencing. And so since they're basing their case on the same theory of harm, it makes it a little bit less, let's say, robust that a judge has actually heard witnesses over months and has concluded that the FTC's case doesn't hold water. And another wrinkle is that you may remember from the last time we talked about this case that the EC got into the case by some pretty awkward maneuvers. Grail doesn't have any business in Europe. It has no turnover. No European regulator would have had any business intervening in the merger at all because they didn't meet any kind of jurisdictional threshold. And now in the party's home jurisdiction where they do have business, the US, a judge has said the government's case doesn't hold water. Okay, so we've created the cliffhanger for our Netflix series. What does the commission the European Commission do at this point of the show? Well, that was the question. You know, we say the EU has basically the same case. Is it going to end up being the authority that ultimately blocks this deal? Like, is that what's going to be the outcome with barely, you know, barely hanging on by its fingernails to jurisdiction? And the answer is yes, that's what the commission did. In short, the commission agreed with the U.S. FTC case that Illumina is the only suitable supplier of NGS technology to run these early cancer screening tests. And all the test developers are dependent on its platform. And if it was allowed to buy Grail, it could and it probably would try to hamper all those potential competitors. But that is precisely what the ALJ in the United States used to reject the FTC's case. He said that there weren't any credible rivals. So this led me to ask a question at the press conference where Commissioner Vestaire announced uh, the prohibition. You talk about a race and that there are many people involved in this race. And that's where I, I wonder how much proof you have that there are people that 
are credible potential competitors. And in particular, I understood that that was a big part of what the administrative judge in the United States um, found through a really extensive trial with cross-examination of the experts that he said, no, there isn't anybody that's in the pipeline. I mean, did you find that you had people that would be you know, coming to market within, say, the next three years? seen is is both that Illumina was um, watching the market for competitors to grail and finding them themselves. We saw uh, how different competitors were doing clinical trials, also with tests that can detect multiple cancers. Uh, so large-scale clinical testing ongoing. And because of that, you know, we see a very different picture from what we were presented with in the very first instance when this merger was presented to us, which is a real innovation race uh, with real clinical testing, with something that is just about uh, to happen. And that was Commissioner Margreta Vestaya putting emphasis on the word innovation, as we heard, and that's a word that we used to hear a lot in the EU back in uh, 2017, 2018, when the Commission gave the Dow DuPont and Bayer Monsanto deal so much trouble with uh, with their their plan to merge, right? Exactly. The, this is we hear the commission coming back to uh, this innovation theory of harm, which really had its heyday in those mergers that you mentioned, the agrochemical mergers. Um, here's a little bit more about what Vester had to say about innovation. Following their vertical uh, integration of Illumina and Grail, Illumina would directly compete in the development of early cancer detection tests. So, Grail's rivals will depend for their vital input of one of their direct competitors. Illumina could cut them off from accessing the technology uh, or otherwise disadvantage them to gain control of a bigger share of this very lucrative early cancer detection market. And this would stifle the ongoing innovation race between Grail and its rivals, and ultimately lead to less innovation, less choice, and higher prices for European citizens and for our healthcare systems. So, yes, that's what we see in the EU, is that they're basing their prohibition on innovation and on threat to innovation. But, you know, merger control is pretty speculative, and it's all about predicting the future and what would the future be with and without this merger. And to my mind, this is taking it really a step further. And many people criticize merger control in general as kind of crystal ball gazing, and they say it's too speculative for the authorities to use that to interfere with what businesses' you know, plans are. Um, and that's what the administrative law judge said in the U.S. He said antitrust theory and speculation they can't trump facts. Okay, so we've finished uh, episode uh, seven of the eight-part series. What lies ahead? What's uh, How are we going to wrap this story up? Well, I think that actually the point we're at right now is we've just now ended the season and we're waiting for the next season to start. The next season is going <laughs> to... It's two seasons, right? <laughs> yes. okay. The next season is going to be about the, the future litigation that's coming. I mean, Illumina has already said... We, you know, we aren't. We're gonna. We're not gonna take this lying down. We're gonna go to court. We're gonna fight. And 
this makes me very excited because I think you know, we can thank Illumina very much for a very exciting year with lots of uh, thrills and spills and, and cliffhangers. But right now, what we can really thank them for, if they do take this case to court, is that we're finally going to hear what the European courts think about this innovation theory of harm. Back in the days of Bayer Monsanto and, uh, and um, Dow DuPont, they didn't appeal the, the commission's use of that theory because they found a solution and they made it. They got to have the merger that they wanted to have. There was no prohibition. They just had to sell off part of their R&D. Now we have a prohibition, and so we're going to see that issue litigated to the full in the European courts. And I think that's something that we that we can look forward to